I didn't belong at the Barbie dance rehearsals. I'm not in that no. scene. But I learned the whole dance, and I just waited <laughs> for someone to like have to go to a wardrobe fitting. I'm like, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> she knew everyone's spot. She would play. <laughs> That's embarrassing, but I did play. Uh, you played it beautifully. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year and breaking down the state of the 2024 Oscars race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, and joining me this week, he's back, EW senior writer and our resident Oscars expert, Joey Nolfi. Hey, Joey, how's it going? Hi, Jared. Am I, am I an actor, creator, or contender? Which, which category do I fall into? You're a um, well, creator I mean, of chaos. I guess I would have to <laughs> creator of chaos. <laughs> I was going to say an actor because you're a bit of a clown, but uh, I'm just kidding. <gasps> uh, we uh, a clown in the best way. Clowns are entertaining, right? Not a clown <laughs> in like not in the way like Joe Biden insulted Donald in Trump. In the Bianca Del Rio sense. <laughs> <laughs> right. See, you're merging worlds here again. Uh, if you guys don't know, you can check out Joey also on uh, Quick Drag, uh, that podcast. Anything else you want to promo? Yeah. No, no. I, as an actor, creator, and contender, that's that's all I have to say <laughs> right now. All right. Good, good, good. Well, um, so for this week's episode, we're taking a little trip back in time. We're going to dial up the time machine. Uh, we're going all the way back so far to July 2023 for the debut of Barbie from director Greta Gerwig, who also wrote that script with Noah Baumbach, Margot Robbie produced, and of course, stars in the movie as stereotypical Barbie alongside Ryan Gosling as Ken, America Ferreira as her human, do we call her her owner? She's her human. Uh, and then there's also Kate McKinnon, who was Weird Barbie. Issa Rae was President Barbie. Michael Sarah was Ken's friend, Alan. They all sat down with EW prior to the start of the SAG after strike for our Around the table video series. Uh, and so we are uh, unearthing that to bring you parts of that conversation today. So what is just so impressive about this movie? A lot of things actually are impressive about it, but it is 2023's biggest movie. It has made almost $1.434 billion mm -hmm. with a B dollars worldwide, $633 million of that uh, just from North America. It is also Warner Brothers' biggest movie ever. Uh, so first of all, I'll start here. It seems like this movie is certainly a lock for uh, one of the new categories that the Golden Globes announced. It's called Cinematic and Box Office Achievement, which I think is basically their equivalent <laughs> of remember when the Oscars were going to do the popular film yes. category uh, and then they, you know, yeah. they had to completely backtrack yeah. on that. But Joey, it, I mean, it feels like that one's probably a lock there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yes, it's a lock for that. But I do fear that this new category might actually end up hurting films. It intends to help. Oh. I, I think that films nominated in this category, according to the official rules, will be eligible to yep. get nominations in the other categories. But I just feel like there are certain voters who might just dismiss this movie as a commercial blockbuster and pop culture sort of flavor of the moment title, and they might vote for it here, think that their job is done, and not lift it up in the more quote-unquote prestigious categories uh, yeah. above the other films like... Uh, I mean, so so it might actually end up suffering and it just sucks because I don't think that they're going to treat Oppenheimer the same way and let it be known multiple times, as I will be saying throughout this year, I could not stand Oppenheimer. I thought it was 
one of the most painful sits I have ever had in a movie theater. And I just, I I don't think they're going to treat that movie the same way. I think that Oppenheimer is going to get probably the box office achievement plus other above the line things at the Globes. I don't think that Mm -hmm. they're going to treat Barbie the same way. Well, as a little point counterpoint, I absolutely loved Oppenheimer. Uh, I was completely taken by the sound design, by the uh, the performances. I think are outstanding. Hello, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Killian Murphy. I mean, Emily Blunt and her flask. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think the movie has a lot of fantastic qualities. Uh, I might say that I agree with those who think it uh, right after. The bomb's explosion, it dragged a bit uh, and, it you know, we took yeah. a turn with the story. But anyway, that's we can we can get into all the nuance of that in a later podcast because we're talking about the other part, the other half of Barbenheimer this week. OK, so let's let's turn our focus to the Oscars. How many nominations if you had to say right now and you do have to because I'm forcing you to how many nominations <laughs> do you think the movie will get and in which categories? I, I it's a tough question because I do think that there's a real possibility that the movie could be underserved by Oscars voters. We saw a lot of conservatives push Ooh. back against this movie as being a sort of feminist Trojan horse of sorts. And we have to remember, mm-hmm. I always try to make this point every year that as much as the Academy diversifies, it's still very much made up of people who think a lot like the Ben Shapiro's and the Bill Mars of the world, much like many of our anonymous Oscars balladers that we did in the uh, article earlier this year. That is how a lot of mm-hmm. these people think. So I think we have to be expecting there to be that to impact Barbie's overall trajectory. Like it's not going to be the steamroll thing just yet. I think we're still too early to be predicting that. I do think it is a lock for nominations for best picture, original song, supporting actor for Ryan Gosling, production design, And I would say just on the cusp between being likely and a lock is director and then secondary, less stable, but still likely at this point, best actress, maybe screenplay, makeup and hairstyling, costume design. Uh, But that's what I think it's looking at right now. Okay, that pretty much makes up the list that I have here. Picture, director, uh, we think it, it will be a- adapted screenplay because Barbie is an existing IP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Margot for actress, Ryan Gosling, supporting actor, production design, song, costumes, editing. I have a question mark with hair, makeup, and cinematography. Uh, we, we'll see how those pan out. Um, yeah. uh, in terms of song, do you think it's going to be the, the Billie Eilish song, What Was I Made For? Because I'm just I Ken do. and Dance the Night are also out there. Of course. I do. I think we could probably uh, be looking at two uh, nominations for this category for this. Mm -hmm. But uh, as we've seen in the recent past, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is A Star is Born. When one song, when a studio really wants one song, they sort of will just push that only one and ignore the others. And I think it's still too early to tell what they're doing here for original song with this. I think it would probably makes sense to quality wise and songwriting i think yes the billy eilish song uh but the dua lipa song obviously charted much higher and is a bigger mainstream hit also like we can't ignore the Nicki minaj and ice spice song too that could potentially be in the running as well it's a very short song but i would say that song sounds the most iconic i think out of all three 
I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about some of those categories where you had question marks. I want to start with uh, director for Greta Gerwig. She was nominated in 2018 for directing and writing Lady Bird. She was nominated in 2020 for writing Little Women. Uh, we can debate mm-hmm. on another podcast where whether she should have also been nominated for directing that film. Um, I, I, uh, I will just say I can't imagine a best director category that does not include her but where uh where do you stand on her chances yeah i think that you just have to when it comes to women who direct movies and are deserving i think you always have to take two steps back when predicting the oscars because as we've seen time and time again it just doesn't it more times than not does not go their way especially when it's actresses who are transitioning to directing like i always think of angelina jolie and unbroken and what an amazing job she did with directing that movie and was just ignored across the board um but any and also anytime you have people like martin scorsese and christopher nolan in contention any year it's always tough to say who else is going to be a lock in a category like this like you said we've seen greta quote unquote snubbed in the past for little women even though I was not a fan of that movie. And statistically, she was not in the running for a nomination that year. Like the industry was just not voting for her. Um, But here, I do think that there are too many achievements directly attributable to Greta that the industry, especially the DGA, cannot ignore. I mean, the, the vision, the box office, the the might of this movie, it's just such an important movie to this industry at a time when theatrical draw for movies is dwindling across the board and they all know it falls on Greta. So I think... She's in, but I'm just being cautiously optimistic at this point just because of the track record of, you know, female directors in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything you said is exactly what what I I hope and think will propel her because she is a she is a visionary director. It's, you know, she is a big picture thinker. And, and, you know, from, you know, the production design on this, how she conceptualized all of those kind of uh, diorama, like with the transportation and Barbie land being a, you know, live practical, there was very, very little CG in this film. Um, so yeah. So for all those reasons, I think we will see her in that category next year. I do too. Yeah. Um, in your first heat index of the season, you have Margot Robbie down right now in the odds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for various reasons, I mean, the movie came out four months ago and there, you know, other movies are enjoying the spotlight right now. Um, but let's talk about her long game. How do you envision that playing out? Yeah, I think right now is the time where you sit back, you let the fall festival settle, you let people lose their minds over Ms. Lily Gladstone and <laughs> Carrie Mulligan and Emma Stone. And then, the campaign kicks up when the actual awards bodies start voting, which if the strike is still going, is going to be very interesting since Marco won't be able to directly campaign and the merits yeah. of her performance will have to combine with the staying power of the movie overall, which could be a little bit more difficult. Uh, that, that's why we could, I think, see the festival contenders having a little bit more weight this year just because of the press cycle that comes without an actress having to be there to promote a movie that the fall festival sort of birth, which is a little bit stronger than someone who is not able to campaign for their movie that came out four months ago right now, even though it was such a big thing. And that's why I've been so keen on predicting Kaylee Spaney for Priscilla. She won the Venice best actress prize. She's breaking out of the fall festivals on the tip of everyone's tongue. She'll be able to promote the movie because Priscilla got, got an agreement. So uh, same with Greta Lee. I think that Greta Lee this also works in her favor. Um, I'm still holding back on, you know, predicting her fully, but I think that this definitely works in her favor. 
Yeah. I mean, this is uh, the whole, oh, this category this year. It's just incredible. You mentioned I love it. Emma Stone for Poor Things, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Annette Benning for Nyad, uh, yes, Fantasia yes, Barino yes. is going to be in the conversation for The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Greta Lee. Uh, Natalie Portman is phenomenal in May, December. Uh, and then uh, Sandra Ula, who uh, we featured on the first uh, issue of our Awardist EMAG, the first uh, episode of the season here for Anatomy of a Fall, performance I'm just in love with. This season as well. Um, and then there's Carrie Mulligan. Uh, Maestro just had its debut at the New York Film Festival. My God, what a film. And she is just, whew, um, she kind of yeah. killed me. She is, I think, the best part of the movie. Bradley as well. I mean, mm-hmm. just the performances, mm-hmm. A+. Plus, they're both firing and like at the top of their game. Like They're just amazing. Carrie is yeah. just if she, she is my personal favorite this year uh, of what I've seen so far, I think that her performance is just incredible. The movie itself, I'm not so like into, I think that it's impeccably crafted aesthetics, uh, acting, cinematography, production design. That's all a plus top tier stuff. But I feel like the movie is a little hollow at its core. I just feel like that the screenplay is maybe the issue there. It just kind of, it's like, it's a bad marriage that, you know, the wife dies at the end. It's like, I, I mean, and that's not a spoiler. Felicia did not survive in real life for all of you spoiler no. uh, heavy yes. people. But right. yeah, I just I think that the strength of the movie overall, it's not. Go- I mean, it doesn't have a very good letterbox score right now either. And it has like 1500 votes. So I think that's indicative of how widely this movie is going to play. I don't think it's going to be mm-hmm. a, a sort of consensus film. And I think that could hurt Carrie. But right now I'm predicting her at number one. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. And that um by the way, that cathedral scene, the orchestra, oh, the oh choir, the opera singers. Yes. Uh, yes. Just yes, yes, yes. Breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay, but anyway, we'll talk about yeah. that more uh, also in in another podcast. Okay. So that was breaking down the lead actress race a bit. Um one thing I want to talk about that we have not <laughs> mentioned just yet is Supporting actress, where America Ferreira is actually quite up in the odds right now. Some prognosticators have her uh, even climbing. Do you think that nomination is even possible? Like, is this a movie that voters saw, loved, and just want to give recognition wherever they can? Or do you really think uh, what you said earlier stands that, um, you know, the the membership, they're just going to look at it as like blockbuster popcorn flick? Uh, well, to to quote Aretha, I mean, beautiful gowns, be- beautiful gowns. Um, I uh, l- listen. I, I I love America Ferrera. I am excited to see her in anything she does. I have been an America Ferrera stand since Real Women Have Curves, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I, I just. I, I can't see it for this. I mean, I, I appreciate and support people's appreciation for the power of America's monologue in this film. Mm-hmm. I do not think it's enough to get her a nomination. And that's what I have to say on that. She's a brilliant mm-hmm. actress. Love her so much. Yeah. I don't think it's happening for this movie. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I'll say she's in another movie that's out right now. Dumb Money. I wish mm-hmm. she had been the lead of that movie. If you folks haven't seen it, uh, do because um, it's it's 
interesting, uh, an interesting story, but her character, I walked away wanting to know more about. Um, but that um, that big speech that you mentioned, uh, she talked to us about that in our Around the Table. It is a, it is a big monumental yeah. moment. So we hear from America Ferreira about that scene that has everyone buzzing about awards, as well as Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Greta Gerwig, and more. Coming up, the awardist will be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to The Awardist. All right, so just before SAG-AFTRA went on strike against major Hollywood studios, we were able to gather Barbie director Greta Gerwig, uh, as well as producer and star Margot Robbie, and her co-stars Ryan Gosling, Kate McKinnon, America Ferreira, Issa Rae, and Michael Sarah for our Around the Table video series for a really wide-ranging conversation about this film. Of course, at the time, they had no idea the records that were a about to be broken, but Margot Robbie did have a bit of a hunch that it would make some lucky studio a lot of money. She shared with Collider when the movie opened that uh, during her pitch to the studio, to Warner Brothers, she told them that some of the most lucrative movies in history have been when big ideas were brought to life by visionary directors like Jurassic Park, where Steven Spielberg revived dinosaurs. Uh, and she told the outlet, quote, I think I told them that Barbie would make a billion dollars, which maybe I was overselling, but we had a movie to make, okay? So in our interview, she explained why. Even with the movie's earliest bits of marketing, it was capturing people's attention the way it was. Have a listen. I think Barbie's been capturing people's attention since the day she was invented. And I think she is an icon, but she's a very complicated one. And there's been times, you said it beautifully yesterday, America, there's been times when Barbie has been ahead of her times, for sure. And there's been times when she's been behind her times. But she's always been evolving. And uh, I kind of just feel like this movie is like the next evolution. So for this next evolution, we wondered how Gerwick decided how much the actors would lean into the fact that these are, of course, plastic dolls that they're bringing to life. But that certainly affects the way that all of the actors would move. Robbie, Gerwig, and even Ferreira explains their various inspirations for the film and touchstones for character and movement. I mean, obviously, Greta dictated how much doll-like movement we did and um, there's like moments where we play up the comedy of that you know, obviously with drinking out of cups that don't have liquid in it or whatever but to do that for the whole movie felt like it was going to be um, you know maybe a bit much but that was all you, you made those decisions I guess I can speak to the rhythm of the dialogue you know because you had us watch His Girl Friday which is a great example and there's a lot of like Howard Hawks films where like the dialogue so fast but we had movie church on Sunday mornings where we could go to the Notting Hill Electric as you guys know <laughs> and see a movie that was somehow a reference for Barbie and one of the movies I remember after the Barbie sleepover the movie church movie that next morning was His Girl Friday which yeah. had a lot to do with like the rhythm of the dialogue yeah which I thought was fun. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, the, in terms of how they moved and how they behaved, I wanted it to feel heightened, but I didn't want it to feel 
uh, like a sketch where they were, you know, moving around. The, because I thought, I was like, well, that will get tiresome in about 30 seconds. Yeah. But I also feel like in movie church, but just in general, like in like soundstage musicals and like Oklahoma or singing in the rain, like there's a quality in which the way people move, it's just if they, if you saw anyone on the street looking like a you know, one of the background dancers in Oklahoma, you'd be like, oh no, <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> but they're always, <laughs> they're always like in the background, like looking at a hat, but it's like with their whole bodies. <laughs> like, and, it's like, and I was just like, and that's why sort of for the, the actors who are all wonderful dancers as well, I wanted to surround them with dancers. So actually everyone in Barbie land is a dancer. So I didn't, uh, I didn't have background artists specifically. They were, they were all, you know, they were all these wonderful dancers. So all the Barbies and Kens you see on the beach and everywhere, they hold themselves differently than like, you know, civilians. Um, someone said, uh, Jenny Way, our choreographer said, dancers, um, their bodies always have a direction and that's different mm. than sort of normal people. So I thought that that was kind of like, in this conception of Barbie Land, it's like a soundstage musical. All the Barbies and Kens are like on, you know. <laughs> we didn't have like Barbie boot camp, but I feel like Barbie dance rehearsals was, became yeah. the thing where like everybody kind of <laughs> reached a wavelength, like a very high pitch wavelength. Yes. I remember yes. Greta describing it as like, I want it to be the sleepover where it's like the coolest girls and the prettiest girls and the funniest girls, but they're also the nicest girls. And that is what that whole period felt like. It was just like very high fever pitch yeah. love for all of it. I remember the first dance rehearsal where the rest of you girls came to join and up until then I'd been doing a few of them on my own which was super fun because like the kind of dancing you wanted was like you know how you dance in your bedroom so it was like very fun but then as soon as all the other Barbies like started coming in run rehearsal and it was like everyone was like yes girl and I was like oh my god this is this the movie's begun now I it was so fun it was kind of like how your girlfriends always like amp you up if you're out dancing, it felt like that. I love the dance room. I, the dancing was so special. And also just like, it was, I liked that it was just like everyone was actually doing the dancing. And it was about like, I don't know, that sweetness. And whenever I need a lift, I always look at, they have a video of Michael learning the dance for the first time. <laughs> and it's like, it's the best video when you do this, going in yes. a circle. I'm I like, still have it all in yes. my body. <laughs> this one is the best. <laughs> Great. Yeah, you didn't come to the dance rehearsal for the no. Kens. No, I kind of came in late. Because you were hiding your fire <laughs> yeah. that you brought to the film. Well, he had the idea because you guys have the whole Kens part of it, and he was like, Alan would know the Kens. <laughs> yeah. Doing it on the side. Yeah. As a and fan. A, as a fan. <laughs> Rabbit yeah. fan. And then so he got his own, and then he nailed it. Alan's but, dream is one day someone twists an ankle, and they're like, we need a fifth. <laughs> like, Who knows the dance? <laughs> that was me. I didn't belong at the Barbie dance rehearsals. I'm not in that no. scene. But I learned the whole dance, and I just waited for someone to like have to go to a wardrobe fitting. I'm like, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> she knew everyone's box. She would play. That's embarrassing, but I did play. Uh, you played it beautifully. Thank you. I loved it. <laughs> that was very exciting. That was the first time that we had like all everyone together, and everyone was cheering each other on, and then all these beautiful dancers who are like oh, yeah, incredible. And then they were just, it was just very sweet. It was like the most wonderful way to get everybody to like know each other, I feel.
You even had the crew dancing. Oh my God, oh, Rodrigo! Yeah. You remember when Rodrigo did the yes. warm up and then yes. was like doing the whole thing, and we were like, "Look at him go!" It was so fun. Yeah, getting the whole crew to dance as like a morning warm up was a real icebreaker. I think it was the amazing. entire film. But Greta, I remember you saying because you are a dancer, right? And you love. I mean, like that's like a stretch. <laughs> but I remember you saying that you felt like dancing was such a great way to break the ice for people because yeah. you don't have to like look each other in the eye and come up with conversation, but you can like move together. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, I like to try and make eye contact. While you dance. Well, if everyone's real relaxed, it can make it get really to the bottom of something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the bulk of that dancing happens during Barbie's sleepover and the song Dance the Night performed by Dua Lipa, who co-wrote that with Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt. But on set, the actors weren't actually hearing the final version of the song. In fact, it didn't even have lyrics yet. Well, we had um, Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt, who did the, so, all of the music, and they had written a kind of like... I don't know, I'm not a musician. The bed of the, 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 like it was the, there was no song on top of the song, but the structure was there. And, um, and we, that came out of like Mark and I, I, I had no idea how to make a pop song. I was just like, I, I need a, I need a pop song. And um, he, we started trading music a bunch and then um, we knew we wanted like a disco song. That was like the thing. And I think Dua Lipa makes like, you know, kind of modern tragic disco hits like that's like her I mean when I think of her albums and when he was like I think duo would be great for this and I was like oh my god and then she came one morning at 7 a.m. Yeah. just like uh, just perfectly on time totally ready and I was like what are you doing today and she was like oh I'm just performing at the O2 arena and I was like you don't have what? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but she and we went to her concert. And we went to her concert. Yeah. So, fun. so she came on, and and she kind of she has that ability to like write a disco song that's like so much fun. But when you actually listen to it, you're like, she's sad. You know. <laughs> well, that's what it, it is. And you're like, oh, like, you're like that whole song's sad. Um, and that's. Um, <laughs> And I, and I, yeah, and I love, I love disco music and disco also felt like really related to Barbie, like, um, in its heart because it's like so, um, hopeful about people, which is like disco assumes you want to dance. And I was like, <laughs> that's not the assumption that every musical genre makes, but disco makes it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we knew, we knew it was that song and then we had this whole dance number, which was amazing. And, and then the and Issa got, sadly, I... I I feel like you've never quite forgiven me. No, I, I uh, bad mouth you in every single <laughs> I know. Oh, some people came in and told me that. changed. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, someone was like, East says, <laughs> you didn't give her any, you just threw her in. And I was like, well, I need, she's, she needs a solo. And I just didn't think the president would have to dance. <laughs> but it, it was fine. I was game. I was coming from D.C. and I got the, the email that I was, to learn a dance number that would be performed on my first day. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I learned it with the help of my Amazing. friends who were in D.C. with me. Um, and they were hyping me up, much like the dancers were hyping you up. And then I landed to a video that the dance had changed. <laughs> yes. 
so then I learned it that day and it was just in front of everyone. So it was like the first day of school and I was naked. <laughs> but you're so great. You Thank you so much because you cut it really well. <laughs> I appreciated that. But I watched the, it and I was like, oh, in okay. The, in, the music, in, the, in the music video that Dua Lipa actually made, she does the dance you do and it cuts back to you. And I was like, well, see? There you well, go. Thank you for that. It's, it was, she was great. <laughs> My only sadness is the, the, the sort of, you guys didn't get to be in the dance. I'm not sad. <laughs> I, I'm uh, sad. I don't sad. choreograph movement. Yes, you do. No, that would have been be- that would have become clear had I had to participate <laughs> in the dance. I've seen you for the best. perform choreographed I don't movement. Dance. <laughs> I don't. Dance. That's not true. We've danced together. Okay. We sure have. I remember how I didn't and couldn't. You tap danced with me. I don't tap dance. You did. We made up a memory, Greta. No, that's not true. We tap danced on chairs. I remember. We just a whole anyway. This is real. If you can't tell, they went to college together. We went to college together. We were actually in a play. Yeah. <laughs> we did. We tap danced. No, no, we can't but I, I appreciate. I appreciate whenever I, I'm left out of a dance number because I find that the worst thing that could happen to me. Very really. Well, those musical moments are some of the biggest and most fun in the movie, in addition to the uh, very poignant and deeply emotional What Was I Made For, performed by Billie Eilish. Gosling gets in on the action with not one, but two songs. There's his original song, I'm Just Ken, and then there's a cover performed by him and the other Kens of Matchbox 20's Push. Gerwig explains how she landed on that very specific 1990s track. I was um I was born in 1983, so uh, my my it was like my top 40 radio stations. It w- it was playing all the time on Quad 106.5 when I was like in seventh grade, and if it wasn't playing there, it was playing at 107.9 the end. And I like really loved that song, and I listened to it all the time. And I was like, I feel that something's in this. And then later, I was like, what were those lyrics? <laughs> like, I, did, I, I actually hadn't thought How about the lyrics. the song up for that scene? I had never heard that <laughs> song. You'd never right. heard that I song? I remember you saying Yes, that. I didn't. I was like, this no. is a real song? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a real song. I escaped it, I guess. Yeah, you escaped it. But I like it. But I actually read about, because I think he said it was he was sort of doing it as it was like a character, almost like, or that was his, or um, that's like that's too. the way he felt inside in the ugliest part of himself or something. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. But um, yeah, it just, it occurred to me and I was like, well, if Barbies loved Indigo Girls, you know, Closer to Fine, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, and I was like, well, the Kens might really attach to Matchbox 20. And I just wanted to give them both like sort of, their 90s hits yeah um but i yeah it was a i yeah i don't know i i i I, yeah there are but because like definitely like shooty was like is this a real song yeah it escaped both of us how did that how did anyone escape that song it was everywhere it was on trl america okay (laughs) (laughs) that was my only gateway to to non-r&b was trl but i don't know if it made the top 10 yeah. Sorry, my fuck's funny. I'm sure you're doing great. You recorded it at Abbey, at Abbey Road. Road. Yeah. Wow. He recorded it at Abbey Road. Yeah. You, you, like, we like, were uh, FaceTime, or you were there, and you were like... Yeah. <laughs> you felt self-conscious about it, maybe. <laughs> Still do. Yeah, an unforgettable experience, no doubt. Or so you'd think. Gosling, as we've seen, truly committed to Gerwig and Bombach's take on Ken. But when we press Gosling on what aspect of Ken he embraced most... He admits he had one guiding light. I don't remember much about this experience. <laughs> I felt like 
it was like at one, one, at one moment I was like a human male in my backyard picking up a Ken doll. And then like somehow magically I was, I had become that doll and I was being picked up now by Greta Gerwig. <laughs> and like the only way to become human again was to just follow her very specific directions. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. But don't forget, Gosling is no stranger to song and dance. Him and his friend Zach Shields started the indie rock band Dead Man's Bones several years ago. And he, of course, showcased his talents in La La Land. But even as a teen, he was entertaining audiences with choreographed numbers a bit more in the vein of what we see in Barbie as a member of Disney Channel's The Mickey Mouse Club. So did he find himself tapping back into his Mouseketeer days as Ken? At a certain point, I thought I had like left that kid behind, and uh, and I realized that I needed his help to make this movie, so I had to go back and make peace <laughs> with him, and uh, and uh, you know, kind of uh, ask for his help. You know, it was uh, it was uh, it was very it was good it was good for me. Thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> And then there's Weird Barbie. Kate McKinnon's character provides sage advice to Robbie's stereotypical Barbie during her existential crisis, doing so while donning crazy makeup, chopped off hair, and an eccentric wardrobe. Here she explains how they came up with the looks. Obviously, the sets were sculpture and art, and the costumes and makeup and hair were like such art and sculpture. And there were so many discussions, and every... Every square millimeter of every look was like so finely considered and there was so much philosophy and thought behind it. I remember um, Ivana who did our uh, hair, which was mostly wigs, um, was telling me that she had <laughs> experimented a lot with like the shape of the hair and how to make it doll-like and that she arrived at like it had to be thin on top and then thicker on the bottom <laughs> in order to look doll-like and so we talked a lot about uh, what this sort of Barbie who had been played with and burned and drawn on would look like and arrived at like I just pulled a bunch of pictures off the internet of Ooh. I think I typed in, like, effed up doll. <laughs> Just, like, we sent all these pictures back and forth. And, like, even the placement of, like, pink streaks in the hair and, like, the placement of the marker around the eye was very, very considered and thought through. And um, the costume was also, like... Because these... A, a Barbie has been played with for too much is typically naked and has lost her clothes and so I couldn't be <laughs> nude. I thought about it and then I thought, no, I don't want to be nude. And so we <laughs> we sort of sent back a lot of different ideas and just arrived at this like wild baby doll dress. And um, and then you, but you, one of your rules was like, nothing is dirty. There's no dirt. Yeah. And I was like, okay, oh, shoot, I thought I was in like rags yeah. or something. And you were like, yeah. no, it's elevated. It's a like not in doll world. And yeah. I was like, you're right. Yeah. You're right. That was it's like a better. big, everything was like a question mark and it had yeah. to be figured out because you were like conceived of her as like almost like an Edward Gorey type yes, doll. Yes. And then we were like, well, is it like Miss Havisham? Is it disintegrated? Mm -hmm. And then I, my feeling was about Barbie Land, like, 
everything is like space trash. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like, <laughs> well, I don't even know if this is true. But like my idea is like if you threw like a McDonald's container out into space, it like stays pristine because there's nothing to actually erode it. Is that true? I don't know. Um, but like that it would be like crazy and recombined mm-hmm. and like distorted but not disintegrated somehow yeah. it wouldn't be like falling apart in that way it would never be moth-eaten mm-hmm. um but it always had to be worked out of like well how, what is it exactly yeah. okay fine but how about all of those splits she's constantly doing on the floor up the side of the wall well the answer to that opened up the conversation about the movie set and production design one of the many celebrated aspects of the film and I did do those. Those were practical, my body yes, split. Thank you. Yes. yes. Thank you for owning that. Mm-hmm. Um, Every single person asked if that was your mm-hmm. leg. And so the way that you sold that, you should be proud. That's mm-hmm. my crotch, 180 uh. degrees. <laughs> One linear movement. Yes. No, I did not have to do uh, a split, and which is just as well. Can't do that. And so that was a fake leg and um, a heavy one. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually the set design was, it was so amazing because uh-huh. they, uh, Sarah, who did the set design, was like, I've made all these like, like <laughs> holes in the wall where hey, like, she can put her real leg in uh-huh. and then we'll rig the other leg up. So it was all practical. It was like done like it was like a way, a practical effect. Yeah. Where was your other leg? In the wall. <laughs> in, in the leg. wall. Look, oh. Sort of like this, like if this is my leg, like my other leg is here. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I don't um, know why I asked that. Yeah, I can't no. picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if there's like a slant. Oh, with this like, set look. And she, well, I'll show you. Uh-huh. Like, it, Got was, it. It's, it was it was very. I mean, you never came to that set. I never got to be on weird bar. And then there was the one, the one where you could like be your whole legs are down, and then you had two fake legs on uh-huh. the side. <laughs> <laughs> did you do that flippy cartwheel thing? I did not. That yeah, looked that so. That was good. Together well. No, it yeah, was. So, was thank you for thinking of that whole everything about it and making it so I didn't have to. Yeah, I've got a question for the group. Was there any set, because I just realized I'm like, oh yeah, you didn't get to see the weird Barbie mm-hmm. set. Is there any set that anyone was like, oh, I never got to be on that set and I wanted to see it? Mm-hmm. I wish everyone had been on the transportation sets. Yes, mm-hmm. me too. Um, because they were so amazing. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, the transportation sets were, were Inc- amazing. Incredible. And that was like, actually the guys who were in the Mattel uh, Corporation, they, and they were all dancers too because I wanted them to have that like look of like, I said, I think I said I wanted the memory of them to be that they were all like men in tuxedos um, because that's, I don't know, I like that. Um, but they went on the transportation set of the camper set and they made like a TikTok video to About Damn Time and it was so cute. <laughs> and they all came out from behind the trees and they were doing this whole, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And I was like, I'm so glad, I wish, it made me sad that we all didn't get to use those sets. At the yeah, they were so cool. They were yeah, amazing. I wanted to see the Ken Supreme Court and and um, Oval Office. Will you to, like, live in that. talk about the transport? Like, how did you conceive of the transportation look? Because I yeah. got to be on them and they were amazing, magic. I mean, yeah. and it was all mechanical. Yeah. Like, what? Like, why? Why? How did you come up with that? Well, I wanted. I mean, the whole. Th- thing for the whole movie which is what was so amazing about working with all these artists on it was I wanted to make everything as much as possible always tactile and handmade and that's why like sort of shooting you know miniatures and compositing it so it doesn't feel 
synthetic. It feels like it's it's real. It's there. Um, and the transportation sequences, we'd gone through so many different versions of it. And then I just kept seeing, like, I remember as a kid building basically that, like a diorama that moved. And I put pencils and like a scrolled piece of paper that I taped together. And then you move the pencils in the background go. And I remember being like delighted by it. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever made. <laughs> um, and I, so it was basically that. I mean, essentially it was like that, but bigger is like a roller. on a roller. Yeah. And so the background would go and then I had something moving faster in the foreground, but I had to get like my brother to do it. And he was like, I hate you. <laughs> but like, it, oh, so I think even on set, I was like, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, in, in no, the kid, in the kid, in the okay, kid yeah, diorama. Yeah. But anyway, and then so, so yeah, so I was, it was basically creating that. And then the art department sort of created kind of with the ability to, and this is where like being able to do some version of like, previs but in favor of doing something very in camera is really helpful because you're like well this is the angle of the camera this is the speed that this thing is moving at you can like do the math ahead of time um but yeah it was like had three planes of movement so the back moved slowly the mid-ground moved a little faster and then the foreground always had something going quickly like tulips on a treadmill um so it looked like they were moving quickly it was it, so fun it was so moving like it yeah. actually like getting to be there it felt like being in a toy box, like in a diorama that a child would build. And like that idea of in this day and age where you could just like digitize everything and pop a screen and make everything in a computer. Like the idea to approach this movie about toys with that spirit of everything being something that looks like someone made it is like it was moving to be on those sets and it was like your vision was so magical and i feel like the crew was so thrilled too it's like they were like finally flexing these amazing muscles they have they're like oh we can do so many things and we get to do it on this movie whether they were building life-size dream houses or hand painting <laughs> mountains on a backdrop or making well, the, the dioramas. The men who were like puppeteering yeah. butterflies. Butterflies, oh, yeah. Yes. There was the bikes and there was like a man on a ladder being like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is my favorite thing I've ever done. Well, do you remember when we went in to see, um, so Roy, who's our stunt oh. coordinator. Roy. Who takes it so seriously. <laughs> he, was, he was showing us what, all the stunties had come up with for the Ken battle and it was so funny but they were it was like he was a military general and he was being he was like right positions one and they're all doing ridiculous things like giving like CPR to a toy horse or like whatever it is or like but and a lot of like genius sort of contraptions and stuff like that like making themselves into human catapults and like all these things it's just incredible and we walked out of there like both like in hysterics but also like that was so pure how like Yes. How they all felt yeah. that came together and put that together was incredible. incredible. Like so creative and silly and playful at the same time, which I think is a, yeah, it's indicative of this whole film is like from being the most creative they can be, but also being like a silly um, kid at the same time, knowing they have like right. their adult smarts to give them the ability to do it. Right. Well, it's all like everybody who works on a movie on some level is like, uh, you know, the kid who is like, making something strange on the playground or it was like I made this or I'm doing this and and like they all got to be that kid so <laughs> yeah. they're like look at what I did like if you pull this it rigs this way like it's all like and I feel like everyone from like Roy yeah. to Sarah to everyone it was like this is like the deepest part of themselves when they made it when there was almost like nothing to nothing to support what they were making mm-hmm. it just was like them and they're like 
kooky idea and it was so and it felt like because it's about dolls and toys that felt like it mirrored that mm -hmm. I don't know enthusiasm mm -hmm. I love that we started with the transportation sequence too that was our first scene that was it was yeah. such a great um, way to start the movie because it felt like it was such it set the tone for the level to which you were trying to make every moment count you know the love and the time that you put into those sets you know, and how much time do they end up on screen? <laughs> Not much. Just like, but Seconds. it's also like, but I, I don't know. That feels like real. I, I love that when it's just like, oh my God, it's all this work. And then it's. They mm. also had to go one way, but then the other way when we come back to Barbie yeah. Land, which, so yeah. they had to, that was so clever and so much work to make it then go in the reverse. Just the like costumes that were built in triplicate for mm. our, see, our mm -hmm. little bits. That were like how many fittings we did for each of those costumes. That was just like a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The joy of getting to wear a custom Chanel snowsuit. Yeah. A day. Um, so it is. It's like so much beautiful artistry in every frame. Yeah. And like the invitation that you gave to everyone to like come and play was what was so special. There, yeah. Yeah. I don't thank you enough for the opportunity to wear a custom. Um, Chanel snowsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I, really um, I remember the, when I saw you in it, I was like, they're going to be so happy. Ryan Gosling <laughs> is wearing a pink onesie with Chanel things all was over Was that the last... Not as happy as I was. Was that the last thing you shot was the pink snowsuit? So, because yeah. the first thing you shot yeah. was the boat outfit. Because I remember when you showed up, we were like, he's really doing it. Yeah, I was like, there's no way he's going to do this. I was like, I was like he's going to show up and be like, mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then you showed up in, the, that in that hat and that pink shirt. And I was like... Okay, <laughs> and then and then the last thing we shot was you guys on the I think on the snow snowmobile, and then you had to record yourself screaming. That's right, <laughs> and that's that was the, it. That's how you sent me out. Yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> And so that was a wrap on Barbie, and that is a wrap for us on this week's episode of the Awardist. Joey, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Jared. This was lovely as usual. Always, always. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. If you like what you're hearing here on The Awardist, please follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on X, formerly known as Twitter, and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. And Joey, where can they find you? Um, at Joey Nolfi on all platforms and also standing Penguin Bloom. <laughs> Not that again. All right, folks, we will see you back here next week on The Awardist and every day at EW.com. This episode of The Awardist is hosted and produced by Jared Hall and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.